Merry Christmas. When you came in this morning, did you get a steak? Does everybody have one? Beautiful. Well, Christmas is in two days. Are you ready? Are all the presents wrapped in under the tree? Yeah, not, not at my house either. Are, do you bake? Do we have any bakers in the house today? We have a baker? Okay, I attempted this year and discovered I'm better off with sauce. <laughs> a baking hat is not my friend. Although the pound cake turned out well, I'm not quite sure about the pizzelles. But hey, it is what it is. We tried, right? We tried. Um, I'm not sure if all the gifts are bought. And if they're not, I don't know that I want to brave tomorrow at the mall. It is what it is, and you know what? They might get a New Year's Eve gift. <laughs> Sales are after Christmas anyways. Um, all that to say this, it is Christmas. And you know what? I had a friend come and visit me yesterday, and she said this. I made a choice at the beginning of the month, knowing that Christmas was coming, that I would choose to be Mary, and not M-A-R-Y, but M-E-R-R-Y, and enjoy this Christmas and set aside the craziness that comes with it, because I don't know about you, but our schedule's been full, probably just like yours, and you choose to be Mary. So look at your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Well, this holiday season here at the Hills Church, our theme has been hope, a thrill of hope. And I want to read for you out of the Passion Translation, um, our theme verse, which is found in Romans 15, verse 13. And it says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. Radiate with hope. The thrill of hope. I don't know about you, but do you remember as a child writing Christmas lists? Do you remember that? And do you remember waking up on Christmas morning hopeful and full of anticipation that everything that was written on that list would be found under the tree? I can remember one year writing my, I, every year my lists had one common theme. A doll was on the list. I loved dolls, loved dolls. Thus, I was so grateful when I got a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Bows and dressing up. I was so grateful. I loved dolls. So one year, I got a Barbie head. Do we have the picture? A Barbie head that you got to do her makeup and her hair. I was so excited because it meant that not only did I get to do my sister's hair every day, but I got to do a Barbie's hair and her makeup. 
I was thrilled. But nothing compared to being a parent when your kids would write out their list. Anybody have kids or grandkids and they write out Christmas lists? Well, recently, when I, this past uh, November, when I was pulling all the Christmas stuff out to decorate the house, I found some of my kids' old Christmas lists. And the first one, this is Madison's. And there's a theme every year, every year, there's one thing that's always on it. Do you see dog? This one says a toy dog. It didn't matter if it was a toy dog or a real dog. A dog was always on the list. Our own house. Um, she wanted a place for her fish that year, a fish, um, a cell phone, and she wanted extreme home edition, a game, I guess. And then I found Mav's list, Santa Claus. I want a barter. I don't even remember what a barter is or was. I want a tiny toy dog. And Santa Claus, this is my favorite part. Santa Claus, you can eat the biscotti cookies. <laughs> Love it. Treasures, right? Priceless. Nothing compares to Christmas morning when they wake up, when they were little, and they would wake up run to the tree to open gifts. I don't know if some of you have pictures of them when they're little and they're just coming down the stairs or coming around the corner and they see all the presents. Nothing quite compares to it. Well, this year, Walt surprised us all. Well, I shouldn't say all, he surprised me. And he fulfilled one of the items on their list that has been a reoccurring item that they have waited eagerly for. Meet Mia. She is now Bella's sister and in our home. And I am telling you, when we talk about a thrill of hope, oh yes, do you see this face? It's a thrill of hope. We love Mia and Mia loves Mav and so we are so excited. But Walt has, uh, he brought smiles to a 21-year-old's face and a 16-year-old's face like never before. So uh, Christmas lists. I would like to suggest this morning that God wrote a Christmas list long, long ago with you in mind, and it's called His Word. He wrote it, and between the pages of this book, there is every item needed that you need for your life. And they're called promises. It's a list that he sent his son to be born, crucified, and resurrected in order for one purpose to take place, that you would be able to be his and live out the list that he wrote that has your name on it called his word. In my life, I have found over and over and over again that staying in hope and staying connected to the list that he has written takes purpose and intentionality. It takes effort. It's not an easy task. 
It takes effort upon effort upon effort. No matter how many times I write this list out and put it on my fridge, put it on the pantry door, put it on the mirror in my bathroom, it takes effort on my part to stay connected to the promises that he has written out for my life and for yours. That it is not a mere easy task. It is not, it's not a mind game. It's not a positive confession trick that if you say this 10 times a day that the promise is gonna come to pass. It's not if I put it up on the fridge and put it in bold font so big that every person that walks through my house will see it. Because if it was really that easy, wouldn't our world look so different? It looks so different. Governments would run justly, and schools would be havens of peace and safety. It's not that easy. It takes effort on our part to stay connected to hope. And I would like to propose this morning that hope is something you stake. Last Sunday on the 57th freeway, after you pass um, a Covina Boulevard, I'm driving and I had some worship music going. Mav's in the car and he's got one ear pod in so that he can hear if I say anything else. And um, all of a sudden, I heard the Lord so clearly say, Michelle, hope stakes itself to the promise. Hope stakes itself to the promise. I pushed a little button on the car and Siri comes on and I said, write a note. Hope stakes itself to the promise. I didn't want to forget it. Came to church, heard the word, and the Lord just kept this thing mulling over and over and over on the inside of me. Hope stakes itself to the promise. In fact, at the end of service last week, I even mentioned the title of the message, and I didn't know what the message was going to be. The title of the message will be, Hope Stakes Itself to the Promise. Well, if you will with me, let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you that as our theme verse says, you are the fountain of all hope. And so, Father, today, pour into us that measure of hope. And Lord, I thank you for ears that hear and hearts that receive. And Lord, remove me out of the way. Speak through me that whatever is said comes straight from your heart. And Father, I thank you that your word says, your word does not return void, but will accomplish what it is set out to do. So Father, in our midst, your word says where two or three are gathered, you are here. So Father, as you are here, do and be among us as you will. In your son's name, amen. Well, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, write down this statement. Hope stakes you to your future. Hope stakes you. Did you get a stake when you came in? Stakes 
you to your future. What does it mean to stake something? The definition to stake something is this. It is to fasten up or support something such as a tree or tomato with stakes. We have a picture of a tree that is staked. I picked an evergreen because it's Christmas. A tree that is staked, and those stakes go down into the ground, bracing the tree. I don't know if we have any gardeners in the house or if any of you like to tinker in the soil. I only like to tinker. But the purpose of staking a tree is because the tree is unable to support itself. The root system or the root ball is unable to support the tree. Often we stake tomato plants or we cage them. We do this because we want to um, uh, protect it from the outward elements. If the wind is blowing, we want the cage to protect it from bending and breaking, thus um, inhibiting it from producing a harvest. Staking produces growth and it produces harvest. This is why we stake something. So metaphorically speaking, why do you stake something? Because your existing support system, your root system, so to speak, is unable to handle the outward elements that would want to hinder your growth, hinder your harvest, and thus hinder the fulfillment of the promise of God in your life. That is why you stake something. In Luke chapter 1, that is the passage that we're going to be looking at today. In Luke chapter 1, we find that Mary had to make a choice to stake hope to the promise that was given to her. In and of herself, she did not have the support system to handle figuratively or physically the promise that was going to be birthed in her. She would need to stake hope. In this passage, Mary provides us with some helpful insights, at least four that I found, that help us know what it means to stake our hope to the promise God's given. The first one, if you're taking notes, number one, the first one, staking your hope always, 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 always begins with a choice. The word never confirms for us whether Mary knew or had overheard the religious leaders of that day in the synagogue speaking of or talking about the prophetic word from Isaiah the prophet about the Messiah that was to come. We do not know that she knew of it. In fact, as far as we know, in Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel comes into her home, as far as we know, that is the first time that she has heard this promise. In fact, if you read, let's turn to it. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. I'm turning to it, and I have it in my notes. 
verse 6, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, she didn't even answer the door. The angel just came right on in. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. God, I hope that is never said of me. <laughs> and this is now the sixth month for, who, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, and if you have your Bibles open, I encourage you to underline this statement. This is where she stakes her hope to the promise. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And what does it say? And the angel departed. It is right then and there when the words came out of her mouth that she chose to stake her hope to the promise that was just spoken. You make a choice when a promise is given, when you read the word and a promise is given, you're believing for healing for your body, you're believing for healing for a family member, you are believing for a new job, and you read the word and it says, he will bless your going out and your coming in. By his stripes you are healed. You stake your hope to the promise that is in the word, and you do not move it. The next thing Mary does, stake number two, is she surrounds herself with someone who will reinforce the stake in her life and point her to the promise. Luke 1, starting at verse 39, says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country, and if you're underlining in your Bible, I would circle with haste. With haste. She did not putter. She did not, you know, walk around the house thinking she did not, like I do, you know, when the nerves get the best of you, you start cleaning, you know, you start doing something. 
She did not do this. It says she made haste, haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to pause right there. This is just a mere side note because I was, as I was typing my notes yesterday, putting all the finishing touches, the Lord stopped me right there, took me back to it and said this, I believe it is for one of you or more than you in here today or listening by podcast, however you're hearing this, that you know what? There are some of you listening that you have circles of friends, inner circles of friends that are not led by the Holy Spirit, that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes are not even saved. And the Lord wants to say to you this morning, stop now. You no longer need to be listening to them, receiving counsel for them. They will never, ever, ever get you to where God has for you. And that is how strong he said it to me yesterday, sitting in my chair in my bedroom. I was like, okay, got the message, typed it out, put it in bold. I will tell them tomorrow. You will never get to where you need to be and fulfill what God has for you by listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Mary made haste and ran to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, and thus we can read the next part of the passage, and it says this, verse 42. Then she spoke out with a loud voice, and I'm so glad it says loud, because you know what, I'm not the quietest among the bunch. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But, but why is this granted to me, she's asking the Lord, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as I heard the voice of your greeting sounding in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which the Lord has told her. A prophetic friend an encourager of your faith, an Elizabeth in your life will always speak to your spirit, encourage the word on the inside of you, and spur you on to good works. My Elizabeth lives in Georgia. I don't have her presence here, and trust me, there's been times that I thought I'd love to make haste, hop on a plane, and get to her. But I can tell you this, even this week, even this week, she spoke something to me that readjusted some thinking in my heart and in my mind. Find yourself an Elizabeth. Guys, find yourself a George. I don't know. <laughs> but find the person. Find the person. You need an Elizabeth speaking the word into your life, encouraging your faith, partnering with you in the promise to see it fulfilled in your life. The third thing that Mary does, the next thing that she does, is she breaks out in song. 
Rejoicing and singing to the Lord builds a supernatural strength that you do not have in and of yourself. And it strengthens you and it strengthens the stake to the promise. I don't know about you, but have you ever had um, your own worship session in the car? Anybody? Anybody? I'm so grateful for tinted windows. Because, and Walt gets the darkest we're allowed by law. I'm so grateful because sometimes arms can, one hand will be on the steering wheel, of course, but you know, the other hand can be going in the air, you know, or tapping on the, the steering wheel. Um, but have you ever had that kind of a session? And you know that on the inside, you've been strengthened supernaturally. Some of my best worship times are in my yard, in the backyard. Walt can attest to it. He will sometimes be sitting in the chair working on his notes, and I will be in the yard. I'll bring the little speaker out, hook it up to the phone, and I will have, I'll be watering the plants, and I will have worship out there. Brooklyn Tab will be singing. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful to me, to me. I'll be in the front yard. I'll do the same thing. People will be walk, people walk their dogs in our neighborhood. People will be walking their dogs. Cars will be driving by, and the music is going, and I don't care. I don't know what my neighbors think of me, because you know what? They've heard Tasha Cobbs more than once, gracefully broken. <laughs> and they've heard Charles singing, Jesus, only Jesus, you stand alone and I stand amazed, Jesus only Jesus, and I don't care because they probably need to hear Jesus only Jesus. But breaking out in song will strengthen the stake on the inside of you supernaturally to the promise. It will strengthen it and it will go deeper. That you know that you know that he is faithful. And in verse 46 it says, and Mary began to sing, and she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Just stop and think just about that line. He has helped his servant Israel to remember his mercy. He will help you to remember the things that he's done for you so that you can recount the goodness and the faithfulness of him. He helped his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, 
and to his seed forever. And the last verse says 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. I want you to take note of something. We could have just ended with the song, right? But it says, to conclude this, that she stayed there three months. I am prone to believe that she stayed there three months. Not just because of the scandal that it could be, because it would have been a scandal. But I am prone to believe that she stayed there three months to strengthen the stake on the inside of her, to strengthen the promise that was given to her. Because how, I don't know about you, but when the word, when the Lord has given a promise, spoken a promise to me, spoken a promise in your life, are you ever bombarded with the voices, sometimes in your own head, let alone the ones on the outside that want to tell you it can't happen, the disease, there's no cure? Have you been there? Have you been there? I can't hear you. Because I certainly have. I certainly have. And you know what? She stayed there three months, encouraged in her faith, with Elizabeth, because the word says in Mark, what does the enemy come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but when the word's been sent, <clears throat> he wants to come and snatch it right then. I believe that not only was the baby incubated in a holy presence, but the word was incubated in a holy presence. I want you to take note of that. There are times that God asks you to remove yourself from the voices and to revise your circle of friends and to stay in a place that will incubate the promise. Amen? Staking your hope to the promise begins with a choice. It takes action to surround itself with those filled with the Spirit. It breaks out in song. And lastly, it rests on God's promises, his spoken word. The Greek definition of hope is this. This is not a hope in the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation but it is a sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. The Greek, that's the God, the God kind of definitions. Those aren't the ones you find from the Webster's. That's the God definitions. It's a confident expectation based on solid <coughs> certainty. Excuse me. In Jesus' name, this thing is going. Biblical hope rests on God's promises. So what does it mean to rest on God's promises? The Webster's 1828 dictionary says it like this. It defines rest as a cessation of motion or action of any kind. And it is applicable to any body or any being. It is a rest from labor a rest from mental exertion, 
a rest of body or mind. A body is at rest when it ceases to move. The mind is at rest when it ceases to be disturbed or agitated. Quiet, repose, a state free from motion or disturbance. A state of reconciliation with God. I think one of the best scriptures to summarize that is found in Psalms 46, verse 10. It's the first part of it. And the New King James says it like this, Be still and know that I am God. I love the way the Passion Translation says it. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. In closing, when you walked into church today, you were given a stake with the word hope written on it. If you have a pen, you can do this at the end of service, or you can do it when you get home. <clears throat> I would encourage you to, on the back side, write the promise that you are believing God for, that you are standing on. And keep this in view to see it daily. I don't know. For some of you, stick it in the pantry. <laughs> I, I've done it before. I've put scriptures on the backside of the pantry door because you know what? Every day I'm certain to go in there. Right? right? Probably shouldn't, but you know what? Jesus will speak to me when I open the pantry door. Put it somewhere that you're going to see it. I don't know where you are in the process of staking your hope. But just like Mary, it was a nine-month journey of not just physical growth, but a geographical journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And I have to wonder, uh, along that way, she, was she encountered all kinds of obstacles. Walter mentioned him early. You had King Herod that was out to murder. Murder. We're not talking just wanted to chase him down and, you know, bring him in and question him. He wanted to murder her unborn child. Obstacle number one on the way to Bethlehem. Then you have that you get to Bethlehem and there's no vacancy. There's no room. There's no delivery room to have. The promised one. Was that, in the, was that in the promise that she was told? That she was going to get to a place and there would be no place for her and she was going to have to give birth to her firstborn in a stable and place him in a feeding trough, which let's just think about that a minute. Do you know what a feeding trough is? We glamorize it. Like I have one out front. I'm so excited. My brother made um, for me and my sister a manger. I've wanted one for a long time and I have it out front and it's got lights in it, blah, 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 and it looks great. That's not what the story is. A feeding trough, imagine. She had to clean it and there was no Clorox wipes. No Clorox wipes. Imagine the slobber. Just the slobber of cows and animals that lined this feeding trough. And you're giving birth to the promise. The promise. 
and you've got to clean this to lay him in there. Another obstacle. Then think about this. Her first visitors, any of you, you know, when you were in the hospital, you get visitors. Her first visitors, Walter mentioned them earlier. Yes, they were the first to hear, but they were shepherds. They had just come from the field tending the sheep. I can't quite imagine that they smelt like Calvin Klein <laughs> or whatever your preference of male fragrance is. <laughs> they didn't smell like that, and they were the first ones. Obstacles on her way to give birth to the promise. I feel pretty certain being a female, and I think the other females in this place would agree, that during these nine months, on more than one occasion, she revisited the choice that she made. You can't tell me that she didn't, because she is not God. She is human. You can't tell me that she didn't revisit the choice. And you can't tell me that she didn't replay the conversations that she had with Elizabeth over the three months that she stayed there. She, didn't, she had to have replayed when Elizabeth looked at her and prophetically said, blessed are you among women. What the Lord has said to you is going to come to pass. I have to believe that she replayed that over and over and over again. Because on her way to Bethlehem, she rode a donkey. A donkey. Not the most comfortable mode of transportation when you're nine months pregnant. Anybody remember that drive to the hospital? Nine months pregnant and you're ready to give birth? I only had C-section, okay? And just that, riding to the hospital, you're filled with excitement, but yet there's this nervous anticipation anxiety that goes along with it. And there's some stories out there that are crazy stories. Imagine the crazy stories riding a donkey. Mary had to tap into somehow or another by revisiting and replaying. She had to tap into the kind of rest that says your mind is free from disturbances and agitations. And the Lord is saying today, I don't know how long your journey has been. He does. And I don't know what obstacles you have encountered along the way. And you have probably revisited more than one time over the several months or years that you've been believing God for something. He is saying today, Stake your hope once again. Make the choice. Surround yourself with an Elizabeth. Sing in your yard. Have a hose in one hand and an arm up high in the other. Break out in song, but find rest. Rest sounds like it's passive. Oh, no. Rest is very much a verb. Rest is an action verb that takes a posture of believing that what God has said will come to pass.
So I ask you this morning, how do you see the promise being fulfilled in your life? When hope is staked to the promise, it looks like this. We close your eyes with me. When hope is staked to the promise, it looks like if you can remember being a child and coming into the family room or wherever you did Christmas, hope that is filled with anticipation that the list has been fulfilled. The promises are coming to pass. Looks like that child coming to the tree and beginning to unwrap the gifts. You know, it's only when we're older that we rip, you know, that we uh, gently open the gifts because we want to save the paper and the bows. But when you're a kid, when you're a child, you rip through it all because you know that something's on the inside that's going to fulfill what you've been believing for. It's only as we get older that that kind of hope seems childish and fairy taleish. But Jesus is asking you this morning, will you come to the tree this year with hope and anticipation and open the gifts that I have for you with hope and anticipation knowing that I will fulfill what I've said. Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you that your word says that you are not a man that you would lie. If you said it, you will do it. You will bring it to pass. So Father, in this place, I don't know the words that have been spoken over the people hearing this message, but Father, I thank you that their hope is once again staked to the promise and that they will dig down deep and not move the stake because they know if you said it, you will do it. Lord, we come this Christmas season with hope and anticipation, just like a child ripping through the packages, we come to you knowing that you got us covered. And so, Father, we look to you, the author and finisher of all things, and we say thank you in advance that it is done. I don't know where you are this morning, church, but I find myself in a place of standing before the tree, which the tree to me is only a symbol of the cross, because it's the cross that fulfills the promises. It's because of the work that was done on the cross that everything else comes to be. So as you stand before the tree, 
as I stand before the tree. I look to it, anticipating and opening that wrapping, knowing that I will see him in his right mind, looking back at me with eyes that know and memories that return. I don't know what you're looking forward to unwrapping, but whatever it is, unwrap it with hope and anticipation that what he has said he will do. Hope is staked to the promise. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love that end of Romans 15, 13. Then your hope will overflow with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, a couple quick uh, verses. In fact, one of Mary's songs, it said that God fills those that are hungry. God fills those that are hungry. Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, he said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness would be filled. So I pray that this week, in fact, I love the um, Romans 12, 1 and 2 out of the message. The Apostle Paul says, so here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. So I pray uh, that this message, even today, that it resonates in your heart, that your song like Mary is that you'll be filled because you're hungry. Like Jesus says, because you hunger and thirst for righteousness, that you'll be filled. But every day we walk out with our eyes fixed uh, on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let me encourage you, remember, tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, candlelight service, drag your family out. It'll be a great opportunity before Christmas. But the Lord bless all of you. Merry Christmas. Hug as many people as you can before you go today. God bless you.